0: Good evening, all. I am thrilled to be with you for the first rendition of Harry's Take. I am a high school student very interested in broadcasting and radio, and I am very pleased that I get the opportunity to share my platform with everyone. Each episode, I will be hosting guests that specialize in various topics that are prominent in today's society and culture. Today, I'm thrilled to be with a fellow NFL enthusiast and author for Sports Illustrated Kids, Spencer Broad. We'll be discussing Super Wild Card Weekend on this episode, and oh, how super it was! Thank you for being with us, Spencer.
1: Of course, uh, uh, I'm very excited to have this opportunity. I've had my own podcast in the past, and, uh, and I'm very excited to get started.
0: Oh, great! So let's start with uh, the first game: Seahawks vs. Niners. So, what do you make of Brock Purdy's emergence as Mr. Irrelevant, You're the right. last pick? In the NFL draft, and now he's a starting quarterback who put a starting postseason quarterback who had 332 yards, 332 yards, and three touchdowns in a playoff game.
1: So, there are a How couple you- different ways you could look at this, in my opinion. Although Purdy may not be the most physically gifted quarterback we'll ever see, um, he is a pretty smart thrower of the football. He's accurate. He looks poised in the pocket for a rookie. And while a lot of that could be attributed to Kyle Shanahan, in my opinion, He's probably the best coach in the NFL right now with this like play calling design, his scheme overall. I still think Purdy's playing play has been really impressive as of late, and I think if he can if he can uh, pull off a run to the Super Bowl, he should be their starter next year. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think also Shanahan's system is very quarterback friendly. As we've seen, Garoppolo who's who's came from New England and he had a very successful time in San Francisco. So I think He works with the quarterback a lot to make sure that they're successful, and I attribute a lot of Purdy's success to Shanahan as well. And I also think that Purdy's just playing at a high level, like some of the best of them right now, and I think it's very impressive, especially that he was the literal last pick of the draft and he's exceeding all expectations. Absolutely. So, I I know you were a very big Jets fan, and Gino was didn't succeed on the Jets that much, but
1: why not. is
0: he ha- why do you have a historic season on the Seahawks, you think?
1: After week one, Gino Smith had a famous quote, they wrote me off, I didn't write back. Although they did lose on Saturday, his season is nothing short of spectacular, his story. He should be the favorite for comeback player of the year, in my opinion. He was an afterthought coming into the year, even after Drew Locke, and I kid- like, like obviously like the stats he put up were, were, were great 30 like 31 touchdowns i believe to only 11 12 picks but his the mental part of his game has improved mightily and like his character the person he is his attitude has improved is, is like we see like uh, a night and day improvement uh, from when he's with the jets like i think that, like maybe maturity he's been in the league for nine ten years now but i think like just that itself is very impressive and i think Gino should should be the starter for Seattle next year.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And he set the single season completion record for the Seahawks better than Russell Wilson and with a seventy percent completion percentage and a hundred and one quarterback rating throughout the season. It's just spectacular the numbers that he put up this season after, you know, being a backup quarterback for so long and as most of us thought he would assume that backup role in seattle after the russell wilson trade when they brought in drew lock but i think yeah i agree he's
1: better than russell wilson this year which is kind of ironic
0: yeah wilson's not had his best year but i think that he was given an opportunity in a new system and i think that he's shown that he's he can compete with the best of them
1: uh, yeah, uh, I definitely agree with that. He's a top fifteen quarterback in my eyes, and, and should be paid, uh, and should be paid this offseason by Seattle.
0: And speaking of that, what do you th- do you think the Niners can make potentially? As you said, if Purdy can orchestrate a deep postseason run, uh, from what you're seeing right now,
1: absolutely. Uh, uh, I think the I think the Super Bowl favorites in the NFL right now come down to, come down to, come down to five teams. Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, the Niners, and the Eagles. Um, and I think, I think the Niners have a very good chance of winning it all. While they, while they aren't my pick to win it all as of right now, uh, and I'll explain who my pick is at an, at a, uh, towards the end of the video, um, I still think it's very impressive what Purdy is doing, and I could see them at least making it to the Super Bowl. Um, like, them going into Philly, say they win this week, and the, and the Eagles beat the Giants, is going to be a tough task, especially for a rookie QB. But with this coaching staff, with this historically good defense, I think if there was a Niners team to do it, it could be this one.
0: Let's move on to the second game of the weekend, which was certainly a thriller, the Chargers versus the Jaguars. Ooh, and um well. Yeah. I bet they've been saying that a lot after that historic comeback win how do you think the Chargers blew such a lead
1: coaching i th- i think is the main reason for this and obviously we saw that joe lombardi their offensive coordinator has been fired and rightfully so justin herbert has this cannon cannon of an arm that can air the ball downfield we saw like in, in a game last year against the Giants, he threaded the needle with an absolute down to jalen Guyton, but this year, the play calling for them has been very conservative and haven't really played to Herbert's strength. I think that was the case in the wildcard game, too. They got comfortable with the 27 nothing lead, thirty-fourteen lead, and ultimately, I think they blew the game because, number one, their defense, aside from Asante Samuel Jr., who had a historic three-interception game, really just fell apart towards the end, and I think the offense was way too conservative, and I think a lot of that falls on Brandon Staley himself, too, and I think... Although he's going to stay, I think his, his route is really, really burning hot going into next year.
0: Yeah, I agree. I also think that the run game wasn't working and that they stuck with it and they should have gone, as you said, more aggressive play calling that to work the strengths of Herbert.
1: I want to actually mention something about the Chargers run game real quick in the game. I know everyone's like loves Austin Eckler because of his fantasy play, and and uh, and and he's not a bad running back, but he's pretty inefficient as a runner overall. He gets a, go- a lot of goal line touchdowns. Just putting it out there.
0: Yeah, I agree. His numbers this year have certainly been not up to what people expected, but I think a lot of people think that he's a very good receiving back. But oh
1: yeah, he, yeah yeah. Uh,
0: but the, uh... the numbers on the ground are just not there, and especially this week they. St- they handed off to him too much and especially why I also think Staley's seat is scorching hot because in the week 18 game against the Denver Broncos which had no seating implications whatsoever because uh, um, because they were going to be the um, 5 seed no matter what transpired with the Baltimore game and I think the fact that he started all of his players, and especially Mike Williams, who is arguably their best receiver on the team,
1: fantastic jump ball guy. He can go up and get anything, and without in the presence, uh, the uh, um, the uh, the fact that he wasn't available. available on Saturday, it says a ton about Brandon Staley and his decision making as a head coach. He's probably just not qualified to be one yet.
0: Yeah, and as um he. He has some injury troubles this year, but the fact that he Staley played him for most of the game until he was injured was just, like, such a terrible decision because they lost that safety valve in him that Herbert could just chuck the ball up to. I think he would have made a big impact of sustaining that lead. And, um, yeah, it was just a bad decision by Staley to keep the, those players in
1: completely agree
0: and what do you think of uh trevor lawrence who do you think would be his best comparison right now to like an elite guy i would say he reminds me of a josh allen because of his he's a big guy he has a big arm he can run physically i just want to see what you think about who do you think is his best comparison right now
1: yeah um I, i think allen's a pretty solid uh comparison I think Allen's arm talent is a little bit better than Trevor's, but I think Trevor's decision-making, to make up for that, is a little bit better. Um, so I think he's kind of a hybrid of Joe Burrow and Josh Allen in a way. His decision-making, while inconsistent at times, has improved mightily from uh, his rookie season. He uh, offers solid rushing ability. He can make any off-platform throw, and and his, um, his ability to throw into tight windows is one of the best in football. I think the Jaguars are lucky to have Trevor Lawrence and um and, and it just shows what a difference a year can make in terms of coaching. Doug Peterson now uh, uh, taking over the reins there. He's done wonders for Trevor Lawrence, and with Calvin Ridley next year, I think that offense is only going to get better.
0: Yeah, I, I do agree with you that Peterson, who is a veteran coach, he's coached some big-time teams. Like, uh, he won the championship with the Eagles – and I think they were incredibly lucky to have gotten him, and I think he developed Lawrence tremendously. His numbers from this year are astonishing, astonishingly different from year one, and I think we can accredit that to Peterson. But I also think the offseason moves they made to bring in guys like Christian Kirk and um, Zay Jones, was it?
1: And, uh, Zay Jones, and also... Speaking of their offseason moves, uh, a move that a lot of people critiqued at the time, and rightfully so, was Evan Ingram, but he's been, he's been a top-eight tight end this year.
0: Yeah, I think they play him more like a receiver, but I think the the role for him is really great for their oh. offense. And I think that it also shows how players can thrive in different systems because with the Giants, he was a mediocre tight end at best. And I think how he's incorporated into their offense is also like, a pro- is also a product of Peterson's system and coaching. So I think... He- I do, yeah. Yeah. All right. This game, I think, was my favorite game of the weekend, the Bills versus the Dolphins. You know, everyone... The Bills were a heavy double-digit favorite. Skyler Thompson, the third-string quarterback, was um, quarterbacking the Dolphins after Bridgewater's finger injury. And I think... Um, Some may argue the Bills underperformed, and most may argue that um, the Dolphins just played a great game. But, obviously, it resulted in a Dolphins elimination. But why was the game so close and so much different than what people expected?
1: um, First off, hats off to the Dolphins. This was, honestly, way much better of a fight than I expected them to put up. Um, uh, I thought... I thought the defense wasn't awful at times, even even though the offense was pretty bad. We'll get to the thirty-one points, but I think this game is about the Bills' mistakes on offense. Josh Allen did not have his cleanest game at all. He had a couple couple of bad picks, mm-hmm. and the offense overall was very erratic. and And, uh, and, uh, and I think sometimes they were. Uh, I feel like they got too comfortable. They were up seventeen nothing. They were like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna cruise to victory." But I feel like. Their coaching, uh, they, uh, it, it got a bit too conservative, um, and and, uh, and I feel like that led to Miami coming back. Ultimately, Buffalo is the much better team, and Josh Allen had a couple touchdown passes late in the fourth quarter, but I think that this game, uh, I think it, uh, the Bills should be kind of worried, um, especially even playing a team like the Bengals this week, who the Bengals are going to be ready to play. Joe Burrow is going to be ready. That defense line is going to be ready, and I think this this next uh this game says more about the bills than, than it than it does Miami because because uh, Buffalo is a um uh they're pretty vulnerable
0: mm-hmm. yeah I was saying how uh, a lot of people think the Bills underperformed and I totally agree with you Allen's two picks really cost them but I do give credit to Xavier Howard uh the one of uh the first pick was outstanding and I also think that Allen's numbers were particularly, uh, uh, let's say, underwhelming because some drops by receivers, his receivers had some key drops. But you could also say the same about the Dolphins. But I think, oh
1: yeah, yeah, um, uh, the Dolphins had a ton of drops, even more than the Bills, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think that um, the Bills, uh, hosting Cincinnati this Sunday is especially a powerful game because that was the game where Hamlin was injured and they never got to play that game in its entirety. So I think a lot of emotion is going to be brought by both sides. And I do think that the Bills look vulnerable because of this performance against a third-string quarterback. So I think it's going to be a great fight.
1: Uh, Who do you think will win that game?
0: I think the Bills. I think they're going to get it together.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a shootout in my opinion, but I think Cincy is the better team.
0: Yeah, but I think, well, we'll get to it later about how the Bengals played, but last thing about this game is I think a lot of people were critiquing uh, McDaniel's clock management. I just want to see what you have yeah. to say about that. There's um, been...
1: His clock management was not great by any means, but he's a first-year head coach, and and those, those struggles are expected. He was very solid all year. Um, inconsistencies are expected from a rookie head coach, especially one that that's just coming off being a coordinator. It's like first-time head coach. Like, some new head coaches this year were veterans, but ultimately, McDaniel's offensive creativity this year was, was quite solid and something the Dolphins uh, haven't had in quite some time, and I think Miami fans should be lucky to have McDaniel as their coach. He seemed to have a great re- relationship with two other players mm-hmm. have- a great personality, and I'll, I'll just say I don't think Miami would have been that close in the game with Brian Flores.
0: Yeah, I think McDaniel's has really developed too as well. He before his concussion issues, he was one of the That's most that kind
1: accurate life M&M scheme as he was in San Fran last year.
0: Yeah, he was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in football when he played, and I think a lot of that. Is because of the the fostering of his relationship with McDaniel's, but I do think that McDaniel's, because the clock management was like a constant issue. it wasn't just a one time thing on that uh, fourth and one at the end. I think that there should have he should have handled it better. But I also think that Skylar Thompson was also having trouble. Uh, getting the guys lined up and such. So I, I don't think it's totally his fault, but I think that he could have definitely eliminated some of those penalties or because t- they burned so many timeouts so early in the game, and I think that cost them at the end as they were trying to stop Buffalo.
1: Uh, uh, and yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. So this game was a fabulous one too. We were really lucky. We have the Giants and the Vikings, and I think... The Vikings coming in at the um, three-seed had a really good year record-wise, but they've yeah. won most of their games by one score. And mm-hmm. Daniel Jones has really come on this year.
1: He was phenomenal on yep. Sunday.
0: Now,
1: uh, this is from someone who, heading into the year, even like for the last couple of years, have, has heavily critiqued Jones, especially his decision-making. But this year, he's been a top-15 QB. And while yes, a lot of that can be accredited to Brian Dable and Mike Kafka, his like his decision making um, and just the way he's incorporating his receivers, making the right reads, uh, not locking on to his first read, I think is extremely impressive. And I think, and I think that's the big reason they won the game on Sunday.
0: Yeah, he had a phenomenal game. He threw for over three hundred yards and two touchdowns with sixty eight percent completion, which is phenomenal, especially. For a guy like him who's never played in a playoff game and who was, as you said, heavily critiqued and many people would argue that his job security was unstable coming into the year if he didn't meet expectations or exceed them, rather. And I think he's done just that. And I think that the Giants and Eagles game is going to be... It's going
1: to be tight, yeah.
0: Yeah. So what do you think about Kirk's... Decision to check it down on fourth and eight.
1: If there was probably one play to describe who Kirk Cousins is, I would say that's him. Because um, from his beginning of his tenure with the Vikings, even from back in Washington, he's always been this slightly above average to average quarterback. And I feel like this game and this season really defined that. These last couple seasons. Like, the Vikings are always going to be at least a decent team with Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins. They're never going to get over that hump. And it just showed he could have taken a shot downfield, or um, uh, or I don't know if they had a timeout, but like just checking it down there was not the right idea at all. And and it, yeah, as I as I said before, uh, restating my previous point, Kirk Cousins is a game manager. He's not going to win you games, but he's not going to lose you games. And in that case, um, uh, you, uh, the Vikings needed someone to take them over the top. And I think I think that if they get the chance, Minnesota should kind of draft a developmental guy this off season. Like mm-hmm. even like Anthony Richardson, if he falls to them, maybe they can even trade up to get him. He could sit behind Kirk for a year or two because I think that offense with Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, and now T.J. Hawkinson could be a, a lot more prolific with, with a better QB.
0: Yeah, I agree. Their offense is arguably have some of the best weapons in the league, and I think the fact that they were eliminated in the wild card game is telling of to who. The, of what that franchise kind of has been as of late. They've always been, as you said, like a pretty decent team, but they're never really going to make a deep playoff push because of that defense or because of his, Kirk's decision-making. But I think that this year, uh, with the addition of Hawkinson, they really became more dynamic in that sense because it opened the field up a lot more because they had that inside threat. But I think that I I don't think the Vikings should have lost this game by any means. And I think that a lot of the fault goes to the defense on that one because they let up 31 points against the Giants.
1: They fired their defensive coordinator, Ed O'Donnell.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, it's a deserved firing. The defense does have a lot of star talent, and they just couldn't perform in the biggest moments this year. While they did win a lot of close games, a lot of that can be contributed to O'Connell in the offense. And the defense led up 40 points to Dallas, 38 points to Green Bay, and 31 points to Daniel Jones. That's over 30 points in three of their biggest games of the year. So, yeah, I I think the Vikings defense let them down too.
0: Yeah, especially that secondary.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And uh, what do you think the Giants need to do to take down the Eagles being the number one seed? They've had a week of rest. And I think that they're a very hot team, although they did have kind of a slowdown with the injury of Hurts. I think they're coming out firing. Hurts' uh, return in Week 18 sh- sl- shows no signs of him slowing down. and I think he's going to be especially hot for this game. So what yeah. do you think the Giants can do to try to minimize him as a playmaker or try to kickstart their offense like they did against uh, Minnesota? Yeah
1: think martindale the giant's D coordinator formerly with baltimore is like infamous for like his like blitz blitz packages i don't think that's gonna work fully i'll be honest with you some qb spies might work but i think hurts through the ground is gonna have a very good game mm-hmm. it's gonna be about Adoree jackson and that giant secondary um but the, the, like like preventing um Devonte smith dallas goddard uh aj brown from having big games and if they can do that the Giants have have a 75% chance of winning, in my opinion. On the other hand, they just have to replicate the same success they had passing the ball last week. Mm-hmm. Same strategy. Uh, um, just like run the ball a good amount with Barkley, maybe a little more than they did last week. Keep running it with Jones. He's a very solid runner of the football. Isaiah Hodgins has been solid. Richie James, even even Darius Slayton, Daniel Bellinger. Um, the Giants' weapons aren't eye-popping on offense, but but they have been productive as of late. Mm-hmm. and a lot of that can be contributed to coaching. The, uh, Brian, If Brian Dable out-coaches Nick Sirianni, and the Giants' defense does just enough to hold Philly under 25 points, the Giants can win this game.
0: Yeah, I think that their blitz packages need to be modified because of uh, how dynamic Hurts is as a runner and a passer. So I think, I agree, a spy is a good idea to try to keep him in the pocket. And I think that also – I think that uh, they also need to just stay consistent with Barkley even if it doesn't work in the beginning because pounding away at that run game is ultimately, I think, going to be the difference Their success on the ground. I think that Daniel Jones is going to put up another nice game, but I think it's ultimately going to come down to how well Barkley can rush and Daniel Jones can make plays.
1: Yeah, I think in the end Philly is going to win this game. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll say thirty three twenty eight, but but I think I think it could really go go either way.
0: Yeah, I also think Philadelphia is going to win, especially as I said, Hertz is fully rested, and I think he th- they're very confident in him, and I think that. They have all the confidence. Sirianni has all the confidence in the world about Hurts and trusts him to do his thing and make good decisions, and I think he'll do just that in this one.
1: Yeah, uh, good point. That's
0: going to be a good one. But back to Sunday night, this last week was Bengals versus the Ravens. Tyler Huntley coming in, trying to uh, win the if Bengals. If you guys played the uh, Baltimore
1: the- fired their offensive coordinator, Greg Roma, today. That time. Oh, yeah.
0: Um, Tyler Huntley trying to win a playoff game for the Ravens, who've had a pretty up-and-down year, who have mainly relied on their defense holding the opponent to very little points. And I think they did hold Cincinnati to a quiet game in Burrow, had a very quiet game. And I think the defense performed, but what do you think happened on the offensive side of the ball?
1: That fumble at the goal line was an absolute killer. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I don't care really about the play call. It was just like, play call wasn't good. They could have done like a, like a, uh, even like a bootleg, something like that. Mm -hmm. Run off the middle with Dobbins and Dobbins like uh, expressed his frustrations in in post-game interviews. He was like, if we had Lamar, we'd probably win. Why didn't I get the ball more? And although I wouldn't have done the same in this situation, I, I definitely don't blame him for doing so. Um, D- Dobbins has been efficient throughout the year, and I think he should have gotten the ball there on the one-yard line. And I think throughout the game, they should have fed Dobbins the ball more. Tyler Honley is not a good thrower of the football. He's like a Walmart Lamar Jackson, probably even worse. Good backup can sometimes win you games with a phenomenal defense, but the ben- the the uh, the Bengals defense is pretty good. And with and without Lamar, with without Lamar Jackson. Baltimore's offense was at a clear disadvantage, especially with that horrific wide receiver core.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, I also think that the play call on the, I think it was the two-yard line was especially ineffective because uh, he's not Huntley's not necessarily the biggest guy. He can't really pack a punch on a QB sneak, so he tried to use his athleticism to go up and over, which, as we saw, was clearly the wrong choice as he didn't make it close to the goal line. And I think that the play call is kind of the reason for that because of the distance away from the goal line being that it was two yards, not like a foot or a yard away, which going over is probably more effective. Yeah. So I I think that they probably should have done what you said, like a bootleg or handed it off. It and was, th- yeah. It
1: was at like the like it was at like the one and a half yard line. Say it was at the four yard line like maybe a pass there, if it was on like the half-yard line, uh, maybe you could run it over there. But like there, I there's still a risk.
0: Yeah, and I also think that uh, before that, the Ravens looked like they were going to win the game because of that defensive performance. But as we see, saw that fumble clearly shifted the momentum. Uh, Baltimore is about to take the lead. But it ended up being a Bengals touchdown, and I think defenses who can make game-deciding or changing plays like that are going to help you win a lot of close games like that one.
1: Yeah, uh, exactly. And I think with Lamar Jackson, Baltimore probably does win this game. What do you
0: I agree. But I do think that Lamar's time in Baltimore is coming to an end, especially because he didn't travel with the team to the game, even though I think he was able to physically speaking. And I don't I'm not really sure what the drama is from the inside of the clubhouse there between him and Harbaugh and Harbaugh.
1: But it I do think an next year. What, now like like Harbaugh and their GM had a press conference today, and they're like, "We're confident in getting a deal done with Lamar," but like they said that last offseason, and they weren't so confident in it. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if Lamar goes elsewhere.
0: Yeah, and I agree, and I think that I think that the fact that they want to tag him so badly if they can't reach these agreements shows a lot. As I said, they really think he's their guy, which he has been for them. But it ultimately comes down to what he wants to do. And I think that he does want to go elsewhere in search of a huge contract. Exactly. And especially because that receiver core is really, there's no good weapons on
1: uh Like Mark Andrews, he's a great tight end, probably a top five tight end in football. Definitely. But after Rashad Bateman went down, they have James Prochet as one of their top receivers, Sammy Watkins. They really don't have much at all.
0: But I must say, Demarcus Robinson's, touchdown was a nice
1: liked, route. Oh, yeah, that that was extremely impressive.
0: Yeah, I, I've always liked him at, on his time with the Chiefs. He's been a solid wide receiver, too, but I don't think that he is a wide receiver one, and I think they're asking him to do that as it currently stands in Baltimore with the, the very little depth on their receiving course, so I think that was also a tribute to Huntley's uh, bad decision making because he doesn't really have an explosive guy on the offensive side of the ball
1: yeah i agree with that and, and baltimore last year with huntley they were eight and three and then they felt her down the stretch they lost a ton of ton of close games and i think that's been the theme with huntley that that lamar the difference between them huntley can't close out the games that lamar can and that's why i think if the if the ravens lose lamar they could very well be the worst team in the afc
0: Especially if they don't try to go out and get... I would think that they would want to get a more veteran presence at yeah. quarterback.
1: Derek Carr or someone.
0: Yeah. That's a very interesting story, but I don't think we have the time for that. Yeah. But last thing about this game, Burrow had a very quiet night, only threw for 209 yards and a touchdown. And I think a lot of this is a result of the dominant pass rush that the Ravens have. But I also think that it, Marcus Peters, who's gone to the postseason every year that he's been in the NFL, is a very experienced postseason corner. So what what what, what can you say on the uh, Ravens' secondary and their future?
1: I think Baltimore secondary has, has been awesome as a play. And you mentioned Marcus Peters, but there's another name there that hasn't been mentioned a lot, which I'm shocked, and his name's Kyle Hamilton. Um, he was touted as a generational safety prospect out of Notre Dame. He was very solid this year. After an up-and-down beginning of the year, he really came along, and I think he's really establishing himself as a cornerstone piece alongside Marlon Humphrey Mm -hmm. and in in that Baltimore secondary. So I think Baltimore secondary, as long as they add some depth, I think they're in really good hands, and and that showed on Sunday night.
0: Yeah, they held Jamar Chase to a, a quiet game for his standards, which is very impressive. So I think their future is bright, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But as we talked about, there's a lot of questions to be asked about their future on offense, which is yeah. very, very dangerous for them. It looks like. And the last game of the weekend, we Prob- finished up. Yeah.
1: We, I c- fi- I, we c- could call this game a snooze fest.
0: We could, but we finished up the weekend on a Monday night in Tampa. Which I think Tampa's season has just been a complete disaster, and the fact that they won the division is like I think it's not very telling of their season because all the teams in that division were under five hundred.
1: I yeah, and I think I would have honestly loved to see Carolina in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I I was pulling for them down same. the stretch.
1: Yeah. I, I wanted to see uh, Sam Darnold in the first season,
0: but. As we saw, it was a very dominant performance by Dak and the Cowboys. Dak had a career night for five total touchdowns, one on the ground, four through the air. And I, I want to see what you have to say about his season, his decision-making. He He's thrown 15 interceptions this year, which is tremendously high. But in this game, he seemed to have made really good decisions. And what can you say on his inconsistent decision-making? I have... I have
1: a ton to say about this, but let me just say one thing. A lot of his interceptions this year weren't his fault. And although he did have some pretty bad games, for example, Week 18 in Washington, his picks yeah. were his fault. But another game like that Titans game, one bounced off uh, his receiver's chest, I think. And, like, how is that supposed to be a, the quarterback's fault? Like, he clearly threw it right to him. And I think as long as Dak plays precise, as long as he's accurate... And he doesn't force the big time throws that we sometimes see him do. Mm-hmm. I think this I think the sky's the limit for this Dallas team. I think. Um, I think if Kellen Moore consistent in this play calling, I think that Dak's going to flourish as he did Monday night. Uh, C. D. Lance, a great receiver. Even T. Y. Hilton solid. Good backfield with uh, Tony Pollard there, and a good O line. So the situation is. is uh, I think is, is uh, pretty spectacular for Prescott. Most mm-hmm. of the time, it's up to him just to just to keep the ball out of harm's way.
0: Yeah, I agree. They really don't have any weaknesses on the offensive side of the ball, especially they have the veterans like Tyron Smith and Zach Martin on the line. Who've They've also mentored some young guys. And I think their line is spectacular. And especially as you touched on. The uprising of T.Y. Hilton's return has been truly sensational. He's a guy that was a big-time name in Indianapolis. He's kind of fell off in the past few years, but he we, he kind of makes an unexpected return in Dallas, which I think no one really saw coming. And I, I the fact that he's been a factor late in the season, I think it shows that I think it's a, a testament to his career in general. He's been a very solid receiver throughout his career. And the fact that he could come into this new team and make a difference late is very remarkable. So I think yeah. Dak is in very good hands in that sense. C- CD Lamb, Michael Gallup, Noah Brown, who's been phenomenal.
1: Dal- Dalton Schultz still.
0: Yeah, he's had a lot of touchdowns recently. So I think uh, I agree, Dak. The game, and I think the game next weekend. In Santa Clara, really comes down to Dak's decision making, because yeah. that defense with Micah Parsons at the helm is phenomenal. I don't really, I don't see any weaknesses there. They have a great pass rush, especially uh, Micah Parsons on the outside. So I think they're going to harass Purdy in the pocket a great deal, and I think it's really up to Dak to see if he can limit those turnovers.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I um, I actually want to talk about the opposing side right now, Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. once again, and I want to talk about one man in particular, and you're probably thinking, oh, Tom Brady. No, that's not the case. Todd Bowles. Um, the Bucs did fire their offensive coordinator, by Byron Leswich, but as a Jets fan, I've seen Bowles fail over and over and over again. As a head coach, he's a great D coordinator, but he just... He just had the team, like the team came out really flat, and that's been his main issue. Game preparation, teams haven't come ready to play. The Mm Jets years back, week 17, winning in situation in Buffalo, they couldn't get it done. So that's my main issue with Bulls, and I think if they disappoint again next year, I, I think he's definitely on his way out.
0: Yeah, and I also think it's interesting that he was given the head coaching role after Arians resigned from the head role. I think. It could have been given to Leftwich, but I think that Bowles has not carried the team in the same way that Arians has. I don't know if it's just the way that he goes about coaching or just the guy he is or his chemistry with the team, but I think he certainly hasn't got the job done in Tampa. And I think Brady's felt a lot of that frustration because he's not used to having a head coach who's subpar at that he's had Belichick for all these years who's arguably one of the greatest coaches ever and Arians who was a pretty good coach for the Bucks in the beginning of his time there so I think Brady's adjustment to having uh, Bowles certainly he was not happy with them and I think um, Bowles's job security is also somewhat at risk I wouldn't I agree I don't think this year but certainly in the coming years.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. For sure.
0: But what do you what do you make of um, uh, the Buccaneers' run game this year? It's really not been effective whatsoever. How do you think it's impacted yeah. them as a team? Although
1: Leonard Fournette has been a good running back in the past, it seems like his best days are behind him. He was extremely inefficient this year. I think right around three, three, three and a half yards per carry. Um, Rashad White's a little bit better, but he's not inked right home out either. Fournette's lost a lot of his juice he had as a rookie in Jacksonville, even last year, and it just shows how short running backs primes can be, especially mm-hmm. with like, guys like Todd Gurley, Saquon yeah. prior prime this year. And um, and I think the lack of a true run game really hurt Tampa Bay this year. And I think if they did have got to rely on, like like even a mediocre running back like Miles Sanders, Who's still pretty efficient. The team would have been in a much better place all year long. So I think that definitely falls on the team, uh, the team, the team's general manager itself, Jason Litt. But um, uh, but I but I think the main reason for the Bucks' disappointing season is coaching.
0: Yeah, and the fact that all the injuries in the offensive line also could have contributed to the inefficiency on the ground. And I just think that well Brady's always had. A solid run game alongside him that he could rely on when he's not having his best games but the fact that he threw I think it was 60 or 61 passes yeah. Yeah. which is truly telling of how much he really had to carry the team on his shoulders most quarterbacks probably throw around 30 yeah. to 40 attempts per game but 60 is unprecedented and unheard of in in our NFL that we live in I think it obviously is because the run game was so inefficient. But the constant reliance on Brady, I think, really took a mental toll on him as well.
1: Yeah. And final question I want to ask you, what do you think happens with Tom Brady this offseason?
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that. I do think that he's going to stay in the league, whether it's in Tampa Bay or elsewhere. I think a top pick for him would be Las Vegas. Yep. And I think that... That is possible, but I've heard rumors that he is gonna try to, or the Bucks are trying to get him back. I just don't see him going back to the Bucks. How after how they played this year, and I think that he'll probably end up in Vegas for a year, and then probably go to broadcasting. He has that mega contract with Fox already in place for whenever he's ready. So I don't think he's gonna ever leave the game quite yet. But I think he definitely has another year in him. Not, I wouldn't say physically speaking, but the way that he plays and his mentality, yeah. he can't go out on a year like this, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I I think he's gonna end up staying with Tampa Bay. And reason being so is that with the with a better offensive coordinator and and uh, and them fully healthy next year, along with uh, some additions in, in the draft and free agency, I think this offense can return at least to like like half of what it was in 2021.
0: Yeah, I think that it's certainly possible. But I, knowing how much Brady's temper can – not temper, but like his mindset can interfere with his game. We know he's on the field with the surface pro, always in danger. But I think that just the pure frustration that he's shown time and time again this season, I don't think that he can – mentally stay in Tampa Bay and I think he needs a change especially this late in his career nothing this year with nothing was really working for him so I think he's gonna try to find the spark and what better place to do it than in Vegas Devontae Adams I would say is the best receiver in the game yeah
1: oh he's reunited with this old offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels
0: so I think that situation would be ideal for him but let's see how the Buccaneers management can play it and i think it's going to be interesting well thank you i think we're out of time but thank you so much for being with me it was a great yeah
1: um uh i'm really happy i got this opportunity and i hope to join sometime in the future again thanks for
0: having me on oh great thank you all for listening and another episode will be coming soon i hope you enjoyed the first episode of harry's take what's your take